Welcome to the Lifehouse Podcast. Our aim is that together we can love God, love others as we walk each step with Christ. We hope you find this message practical, encouraging and life-giving. Be blessed. Yeah, this morning talking about Habakkuk and you're, some of you are probably thinking, Habakkuk, yeah, that, that name rings a bell but I'm not exactly sure um, where I've heard that name before. Um, he is in the Bible. I'm not doing a Psalm 151 this morning and making up um, something fake, but he was a real um, person. Um, his name only appears in the book Habakkuk, so not a not necessarily a famous character. Um, we know that he was a prophet, um, a minor prophet, so he's found in the latter section of the Old Testament. Um, we know that um, he was from the southern kingdom of Judah, so by the time when he was around... Um, the Israel had split, the northern tribe um, was Israel, and then down the south was, was Judah. Um, and he lived in a very bleak time of, of the Israel history. Um, we'll kind of get to that a bit more. And his ministry began in about 605 um, BC and went to about um, 586-7, which was when kind of the Babylonians came and took away and destroyed the temple in Jerusalem and kind of took away the people. Um, So not a very nice time to be around for for a person of of God in that that kind of area. Uh, What's really cool about Habakkuk's book and something that I really want to draw out of this is that it is highly personal. It shows us good insight into... Um, his relationship with God and really his um, theological journey and kind of um, where he starts and where he lands um, kind of with his issues and struggles is is quite different and something that I want I want to take you guys on this morning kind of a journey through his life and I want you guys to be able to understand kind of where he started and where he came from and, and I hope that you can kind of wrestle with the same things he wrestled with and and kind of see the outcome that he saw as well. Um, the structure of this book um, is really important, and we're going to begin by looking at um, two cycles of, of back and forth dialogue between Habakkuk and God. So, yeah, one thing that's really unique about this book is that it's the only uh, minor prophet that he doesn't actually deliver, necessarily deliver his message to the people. It's just strictly between him and God. So it's highly personal and kind of his struggles with God and what he wants to share to God and what God wants to share with him. So this wasn't necessarily a lot of the prophets, they spoke to the people. Um, Habakkuk is kind of different in that he just kind of talked um, to God and God spoke to him. Um, So remembering that as we kind of read this, that um, the nation is in a pretty bad spot. Um, They're neighbours to the north. Israel is kind of no more geographically. They've been um, destroyed by the Assyrians. And while Judah and Israel were up and at war with each other, there was a lot of civil war and, and contention between the two nations. It would still would have been heartbreaking to see um, those people kind of being taken away and then be no more. They have had several corrupt kings, Judah. Um, they're kind of living in this time where they're not really following the law. In fact, they're not really at all. There weren't many people. majority of the people were kind of worshipping false idols, they were intermarrying, they, their king was corrupt. Um, the, the people were not doing what they were supposed to be doing. And Habakkuk knew this and he kind of knew that um, for this to happen, it, kind of, it wasn't kind of going to end well um, for the people. So this is, this is kind of where we pick up um, Habakkuk and, and we'll kind of start to go through with what he, what he says. So Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 2, 
Um, and it starts with, oh, oh, Lord. Now, that in itself is significant because um, usually when they spoke to God, they would say God or Yahweh, but oh, Lord was the covenant name for God. So this is kind of Habakkuk saying, oh, Lord, I'm in a relationship with you. Um, please hear, hear my cry. He says, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me, strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous and justice goes forth perverted. Habakkuk is, is pretty clearly unhappy here. He can see that the people of Judah are away from God and that when they're away from God, things don't often go well for them. And we kind of see this. We kind of know, like he, he knows that um, God knows what they're doing is wrong and he's kind of asking, why won't you do anything about this? Um, God, God responds to him and, and Habakkuk isn't exactly chuffed with this. In fact, he was quite disappointed. Now, this is going to sound quite rough, but on the topic of disappointment, Dad, can you please come up here? Like I said, I know, it's perfect. I was supposed to be mum, but she would have enjoyed it too much, so Dad's the better option. So, uh, Wayne, how are you? Good. That's good. You can. Um, so, I want, I want to ask you a question. When you think of the word takeaway, what springs to mind? Chicken. Say what you really think. <laughs> so, okay, even that, all right. It's kind, of, it's kind of where I wanted to go, but I was kind of hoping you wouldn't say it. Because who thinks of, what do you think of when you hear the words takeaway? Does someone say fat? <laughs> you think of KFC, Maccas, junk food. That's right, the stuff that's not good for you. But that highlights a disappointing response in itself. And this was, <coughs> this was not, I didn't, I kind of thought he would say it, I was kind of hoping he wouldn't, but he did, and that's okay. But I remember, okay, picture this, chubby little 12-year-old Mitchell. All right, we didn't get take, oh, where are you looking? <laughs> we didn't get takeaway very often, which I now, uh, like, I, can't, I get it, okay, it's a good thing. But I remember once, I, I'm sure this happened more than once, but I remember once so clearly when, um, Mum said, because I, I think I asked mum every day what's for dinner, because um, I was quite keen on that. And, um, <laughs> and I remember asking her, what's for dinner? Mum's like, oh, I think we might get takeaway tonight. I was thinking, yes, we flip and never get takeaway. KFC, Maccas, what's it going to be? I remember dad walking in with a Woolies bag. And I thought, what the heck is that? That's not takeaway. And he pulled out a Woolies chook and four leaf salad mix. Thought, that is not takeaway. You can sit down. And, um, yeah. I just, like, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure I'm going to do the same thing to my kids, but it's still, it's just like, the heck. All right, so let's, let's go back to some, some actual disappointment. Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5 says, Look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. So this is God's response to Habakkuk. He's kind of shared his, his, his heartache, you know, like, where are you? What is happening? For I'm doing a work in your days. All right, Habakkuk's like, all right, what is it going to be? And then 
God says, Behold, I'm rising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation. He basically pulls out a woolies bag and says, This is my response. And so the Chaldeans, that's essentially the Babylonians. And so God's response to what is happening, what is wrong with our nation is, I'm going to raise up the Babylonians and they're going to come and they're going to uh, wipe you out. And for Habakkuk, it's like, what? That is not what I expected. That is, I, I don't see how that is a good solution to our problem. The next five verses kind of shows how bad and destructive um, the Babylonians were that they are essentially going to tear through the nation of Judah and they're going to sweep them away like the sands in the desert and they're going to be taken captive. In verses 10 to 17, I'm not going to read through it, but they kind of highlight Habakkuk's second complaint. So we kind of see this, this cycle of, of Habakkuk complaining, God responding, and then Habakkuk complains again. He's confused and he's still questioning how this makes any sense, which I understand that. It's like, if I was in that situation, I'll be confused. And he's asking questions like, are you not everlasting? So we as your people, are we not everlasting? You know, how can you use a less righteous nation to destroy us, your people? Habakkuk, he finished this complaint and, and he tells God in, in chapter 2, verse 1, well, I've, I've told you what I'm thinking. I'm going to go wait on the watchtower. I'm going to wait there. I don't know if I'm going to be seeing hope or destruction on the horizon, but I've said what I felt and now I'm going to wait for you to respond again. So what was... What was the biggest issue that Habakkuk had with this response? Well, the issue was that there wasn't what he anticipated. He anticipated something else to happen. And I think that so often we can feel let down by our situations and, and what is in front of us. And we can, so often we can be like Habakkuk. We can go, why, oh God, why is this happening to me? Why is this giant in front of me? And it doesn't seem to be going anywhere. But the reality is that we have never been promised an easy life and in fact it's quite clear in the Bible that we will have trials and that we will have struggles. We've never been promised that we will have an amazing life and that everything will go right. Yeah, like, like I said, it's, it's quite clear that we're going to have struggles. And I think we can be so easily disappointed when things don't go our way. We can be so easily disappointed when there is suffering and there is trials in front of us but these things are, are part of life. Being a Christian means we get to share in the grace that has been gifted to us so freely by Jesus Christ, but it is not all that we share with Christ. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. This is clear and we shouldn't necessarily be surprised when this happens. It's mentioned a lot of times in the Bible and especially in the New Testament, most of Paul's books highlight this idea that hold on through the struggles, that they are going to be a part. You see, it's mentioned numerous times in the Bible that we will be comforted, not comfortable, but comforted. And we wouldn't need to be comforted if there wasn't situations that are going to rob us of that comfort. It's mentioned numerous times in the Bible that we will have peace, but why would we need peace if there wasn't going to be anxious situations, if there isn't going to be stress and things that are going to steal that peace from us? It's mentioned the time that we will be given joy, 
for a while do we need joy if there weren't times that rob us of that joy? It's mentioned that we are going to feel love for a while do we need that why would we need that love if there wasn't rejection and hurt that can, feel, that can be a gap in our hearts? These things are promised to us because there's going to be situations that are going to steal those things from us. I want to go back to Habakkuk and, and he's waiting for God's response and this is, what, this is what the Lord says to him. So Habakkuk 2, 2 to 4 says, And the Lord answered me, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets. So he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time and it hastens to the end, it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come, it will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up, it is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. The righteous shall live by his faith. This is a significant concept that is prevalent in the New Testament, but not necessarily so much in the Old Testament, depends on, depending on what translation you read, but most translations, less out of all the times faith is mentioned, less than 5% is in the Old Testament, and it's majority, it's a New Testament concept, this idea of living by faith, that the righteous shall live by faith. Trust is mentioned a lot in the Old Testament, but the idea of faith, while we can see the Old Testament characters were faithful, but it really is kind of like this, this newer concept. And this verse was so significant in, in Habakkuk's relationship with God because he understood that for him to be in relationship with God, for him to be in covenant, that he needed to live by that faith. That in him, God, that, sorry, that faith in God will come through and that he is good. And Habakkuk's actually quoted for this three times in the New Testament. Romans chapter 1 verse 17 says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Galatians 3.11 says, Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, For grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. These are three significant passages that are key parts of being a Christian today. That by faith we are saved and that we live by that same faith. Did faith restore Habakkuk's fortunes and mean that the Babylonians didn't invade? No, and he was not alone in this. In Hebrews chapter 11, we find a chapter that is subtitled by faith. This chapter describes a number of well-known Old Testament characters and it's kind of like a highlight reel of, of the achievements that they did, that the faith that they had and that, what, but what's striking about this chapter is the last two verses. In Hebrews 11, 39 to 40, it says, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made Perfect. We don't have faith to get what we would prefer, but we have faith to keep us in God's will. These people's faith wasn't dependent on them receiving the promises that God made. See, these promises still came true, not necessarily in their time. They didn't necessarily see these promises come true, but their faith helped them to see above their situation. It helped them to say that whether these things happen or not, God, I will trust in you and my faith will be in you and my faith will remain 
in you. None of these people had perfect track records. In fact, quite the opposite. Moses doubted both himself and God. Abraham tried to make his promise come true by sleeping with his servant. Gideon had asked God, basically, to t- basically tested God several times and said, if you do this, then maybe I will act. And then he did. Samson got up to mischief with the wrong woman. Don't date Delilah. David doubted a lot and made a lot of wrong choices. All these people, they didn't, they, like their faith didn't mean that their situation was good. They still had suffering. They still had struggle. They still had a heartache. But their faith helped them to see above the situation, still trusting God no matter what was happening. No matter if it was hard, no matter if it was easy, their faith helped them to see above and to have a better perspective. See, Habakkuk didn't actually see his situation come good. God said that it will for the people, that will for the people, but Habakkuk didn't see this. In fact, none of the people alive at the time saw the situation come good. Things look incredibly bleak for Habakkuk and he knew this. He knew that the Babylonians, he knew what they were like. He knew that they were going to come. He could kind of see that there was this political turmoil and while the Assyrians were a great nation, the Babylonians were rising up and they were to be the next great empire and he kind of knew that with the way the people were that they were going to be overrun and destroyed by these people. But there wasn't much hope at all in that situation But what did he do? He lived by faith and he held on to the never-failing love of God. But how did this look practically? Because I know we hear that said, you know, you just got to trust. But what I want to do is I want to show kind of how he practically did that. How he actually allowed his perspective to be changed. Um, the next section is a series of, of woes onto the Babylonians. It's just highlighting how evil they are and how they will one day eventually be destroyed because of how evil they are. But it also highlights that God is still in control. So this is chapter 2 and verse 14. It says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And verse 20 says, But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. God is showing that even though there will be suffering and eventually the Babylonians will be removed, that God is still in control. It wasn't what Habakkuk expected. It wasn't what Habakkuk wanted. But God is reminding him that no matter how this happens, no matter how this plays out, I am still in control. And even though it doesn't make sense to you, and often it won't, that I am still in control of this and I am still holding you. And we, we see Habakkuk, really, he's, his heart changes. He softens his heart and we see no more complaining and no more doubting, but instead we see him learn to trust in God and to, that by living by faith it means to, to have faith in God and that no matter the situation that it will, um, it will turn around and even if it doesn't turn around, that he can still trust and have faith that God is in control and that God is good. So in chapter 3... We see this complaint and response cycle stop and instead Habakkuk prays this prayer to the Lord. And I want to read this whole prayer out. So it's quite long, but it really shows that it's, it's no longer about him, it's no longer complaining, but it is, it is fully about God. So Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2 to 15. And it says, Lord, I've heard of your fame. 
are stood in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Teman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise, raised flash from his hand, where his power was hidden. Plague went before him, pestilence followed his steps. He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled. The age-old hills collapsed, but he marches on forever. I saw the tents of Kushan in distress, the dwellings of Midian in anguish. Were you angry with the rivers, Lord? Was your wrath against the streams? Did you rage against the sea when you rode your horses and your chariots to victory? You uncovered your bow, you called for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers, the mountains saw you and writhed. Torrents of water swept by, the deep roared and lifted its waves on high. Sun and moon stood still in the heavens at the glint of your flying arrows, at the lightning of your flashing spear. In wrath you strode the earth, in anger you threshed the nations. You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot. With his own spear you pierced his head when his warriors stormed out to scatter us, gloating as though about to devour the wretched who were in hiding. You trampled the sea with your horses, churning the great waters. This is Habakkuk's prayer. It is no longer about why or why God is this happening, but he's, what he's doing here is he's recounting past events where God has saved the people. He's recounting these events where it seemed like there was no hope and that there was distress, but he's recounting when God saved the people, when God restored the people, hoping that he would do it again, but it doesn't matter about him necessarily, but the focus has come back onto God. He's saying how great and mighty God is, how powerful the name of God is and what he can do. He's showing the character of God in here. But what's really important is this next part and kind of how he finishes um, this chapter. Habakkuk 3, 16 to 19 says, I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. He's not highlighting here that it's going to be easier at all. He's in fact highlighting that I am not at all keen for this. You know, my body trembles, my lips quiver, rottenness enters my bones, my legs tremble beneath me. We all know that feeling of when your stomach is churning and your head is spinning and you're like, why and why is this situation happening to me? But this is what he says. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, yet the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places." What we see is Habakkuk effectively go through three phases in this book. First, he's complaining and doubting, and it's quite selfish and self-centered about him. And then we kind of see him understand that there's this requirement for him to live by faith. And then really what we see is a submission to his will. 
Most of my life I spent in the stage of doubting and questioning the existence of God. I grew up in a Christian household. My parents are faith-filled Christians and I have no doubt about that. But for me, I lived a very self-centered life and it was all about what it was all about me. It was what I could get from God. And I would so easily turn my back when things didn't go slightly my way. And when things didn't go my way, it was, why, God, if you are real, why is this happening to me? And I think we all can feel that. And I know that I certainly felt that. And still that those questions and those doubts had come creeping in. But I remember at the start of 2017, and I prayed the first genuine prayer for a long, long time in my life. And all I said was, God, what do you want from me this year? And then it was like a thunderbolt. And I realized that I needed to live by faith and I needed to submit by his will. Not that his will would restrict my freedom, but living by his will would give me more freedom. That I would have more joy and peace and hope and love and comfort that I could ever have when I'm outside of that. This is something that we all go through. And I don't, I don't want you to feel like, oh man, I'm such a bad Christian if I go through this. Because it is what happens. But what ha- what's important is that you don't stay there that you don't stay in that doubting and questioning, but you actually understand like Habakkuk did, that to move on, to move through that, you need to live by faith. For Habakkuk, it made no sense. Lord, save us. All right, I'll send the Babylonians to destroy you. That doesn't make sense. Often in our situations, we can pray, God, why is this happening? And something worse could happen, and it makes no sense to us. But we need to live by faith, trusting that He is a higher way, one that we might not ever understand. In fact, it's likely that we will never fully understand why certain situations happen to us, but by faith we need to live to see above that. We also need to live in His will. Habakkuk's prayer was essentially him saying, God, not my will, but yours. If you've been around long enough, then you know that there was a very significant person in the Bible that also prayed that prayer. That in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus Christ, before dying on that cross, For each and every single one of you prayed the prayer, God, not my will, but yours. And he prayed that prayer that, Lord, no matter the cost, I don't want to do this. I don't want to die a bloody death on the cross, but I know that I need to do this so that every single person in this room and every single person in the world can have their sins covered and that they can live in eternity with me. While we get to share in the sufferings of Christ, we also get to share in the victory that Jesus rose again. And the one day we get to share in that victory with Him in heaven. John 16, 33 says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I encourage you to choose today to live by faith. To understand, like Habakkuk did, that God's ways are higher. God died. Ah, it's not not God, God didn't die. Habakkuk died um, in, in that situation didn't get any better for him. He died with, with Babylon at the gates of Jerusalem about to um, come in and destroy them and, and take away the people. But how did his story end? Was it with him doubting and complaining? No, I want to read that passage again. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines... The produce of the olive fail and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy 
in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. This is how I want to live. Rejoicing in the Lord through every situation, good and bad, hard and easy. And that is not an easy thing to do. It's not an easy thing to live by faith. There are sacrifices to be made and there is doubts and there is questioning. But I encourage you to live by faith that, that you can see that God has a higher way. And while it might not make sense to you, that He is in control. And I encourage you to live like that. Can we stand this morning? I'm sure that there are people in, in this room who are struggling for peace and comfort. That they're struggling to see that God has a higher way, that God has a higher plan, and that He is in control. And I want us to respond to that this morning. And so if you're feeling like you're in a situation where it makes no sense to you, that you feel like your peace has been robbed, that your joy has been robbed, that there is no hope or comfort for you, I'd like you to raise your hand and I'd like to pray for you. No one looking around, I want this to be between you and God. But if you're feeling like you need peace, you need comfort, you need to be able to see like Habakkuk did, that there is away and you want to be able to be in this place where you can rejoice in the Lord despite your situation, despite how you're feeling. I encourage you to raise your hand. I'd like to pray. I want to pray over everyone this morning because I think that this is something that is so applicable to everyone. Awesome. Great. Dear God, thank you. Lord, thank you that you give us peace. Lord, thank you that you give us comfort. Lord, thank you that you bring us joy and you bring us comfort. Jesus, I thank you that you died on that cross for us. Lord, that you defeated everything. Lord, you just you defeated sin, you defeated death, and that we can live freely. Father, there are things that rob us of our joy and of our peace and of our comfort. But Father, thank you that you can give us peace, Lord, that you can give us comfort. Father, I pray that we can, by faith, learn to see above our situation. Lord, that we can learn to see when it doesn't make sense, Lord, that we can see and try to understand that you are in control. And Lord, that we can rejoice through every single season. Father, I pray for such a strong sense of that peace in in this room this morning. Lord, that every single person can feel that peace. And, and, and I encourage you this morning that if you are struggling for peace, that you do choose to, to give your situation over to Him and say, Father, I don't understand what is happening, but Father, I want your peace through this. Lord, I, I trust that you have a higher way. I trust that you are in control and I choose to rejoice through this. Lord, I, just want to, I don't want to be stuck in this questioning and complaining. But Lord, I want to live freely knowing that while there's still going to be hard situations, I want to live freely knowing that you are fully in control and Lord, that you provide peace, you provide comfort. And Lord, that as Jesus died, He rose again. And Father, we too get to rise again and spend eternity with Him. I encourage you not to just pray this prayer today, but this to be a prayer that you pray constantly and that as situations and different hard times arise that you choose to lift him up you choose to seek his peace you choose to seek his joy and that despite the situation despite what is happening in your life you choose to lean on that
we're going to worship soon. And I encourage you that during this worship, you, you seek that peace of God. And Lord, you, you, and you give to Him those situations, those hard times and, and say, Father, I want your peace. I want your hope. I want your comfort. Thank you for joining us this week. If you wish to connect with us, please send an email to info at life.house or come and see us at 170 Adelaide Road, Murray Bridge. And remember, the door is always open for you at Lifehouse. God's house, our home.